Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be discussing the Netflix television series Wednesday and the 2022 film Vengeance. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hi, Kat. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. I actually went home this year for a change. To Corey's new place? Yeah, I got to see Corey's new house. Nice. Yeah, and my mom and stepdad came up from where they live and met us there, and we all stayed with Corey, and it was a a nice little cozy retreat. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Is it like leaf peeping season out there, or have most of the leaves kind of fallen? They're pretty much gone at this point, yeah. Yeah, gone for the winter, but I'm sure I'll be back there at some time in the summer, hopefully. Nice. Mm-hmm. How was your holiday? It was pretty uneventful. It was um, just had like a small family get-together with my mom and my aunt, uh, it was just good to have some chill downtime with my family. Last week was really weird because I, so I left for home early-ish on Wednesday. And so I, like I barely worked last week. I had a horrible migraine on Monday and then had mm. to teach all day Tuesday. And then by Wednesday, yuck. I was like, well, I've accomplished nothing. So Ugh, yuck. Uh, yeah, it was, it was such a weird week. And then I'm traveling next weekend as well, so we've just got a couple of weird weeks, but Mm -hmm. uh, luckily it's a pretty uh, chill time at work. I kind of always organize things where the holidays are kind of on a downswing so that I'm more in analysis and writing type modes, so. That's good. I wish I did that. I always kind of do the opposite where I'm like, well, I got to fit all this stuff in mm-hmm. before the holidays. So like schedule all this, this and this, and then everything like ramps up and then cuts off at the very last moment. And that's uh. just like, why did I do that to myself? <laughs> just do it after. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, but yeah, so the holiday was nice and I'm excited. We're going to Nashville this weekend. So. Oh, right. I was trying to remember where you were going, but you've mm-hmm. definitely told me multiple times oh, now okay. that it's Nashville. Yeah, yeah, we're going to Nashville for a couple of days. I'm road tripping there with one of my grad school friends. So. Yeah, road trip. I'm so excited. I love a road trip. And yeah, gonna probably listen to some good music, eat some mm-hmm. good barbecue, and hopefully, I'm hoping to do a lot of reading. Um, oh, yeah. Because I've been in a big reading slump, and I would like to break out of it before the holidays. Because mm-hmm. that's usually when I rekindle rekindle my love of reading. Do you have some books on the TBR that you're excited about? I have a lot that I'm excited about. <laughs> I want to read, over the holidays, I'd like to read at least one Ruth Galloway. Yes. I would like to read um, one by one. No, that's not the... Mm-hmm. Is it? <laughs> I keep yeah, forgetting. the Ruth Ware book. I have it packed. I packed it for Nashville, so I'm hoping to read that. I'm hoping to finish Foundation. So yeah, mm-hmm. I've got at least three books that I want to get through, and then I've got a 
set of books that I've been setting aside for the honeymoon and saving specifically for that. So I'm Mm. very excited. It's mostly those Emily Henry books that Uh, I bought and have not read yet. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's such good, like, cruise fodder, you know? Sure. Enjoyable romance novels while you're on your honeymoon. I think that's nice. Yeah, that does sound nice. Yeah. (sighs) But yeah. Oh, also over the holiday, my family and I started watching Wednesday, and I actually finished it once I got home yesterday because I liked it so much. So Wednesday is a Netflix original series that just came out, I think, just before Thanksgiving, maybe on the 23rd. And it is directed by Tim Burton. It's very aesthetically pleasing and while still being like spooky and creepy. And Mm -hmm. so the basic premise for the show is that Wednesday Adams gets expelled from the school that she was in. Basically, there's some people bullying her younger brother, Pugsley, and uh, she unleashes piranhas in the school pool to get them. And that causes her to be expelled from that school. And so her parents say, well, we're going to send you away to this boarding school. It's the boarding school they attended when they were in like high school Um, It is called Nevermore Academy, and it is a boarding school specifically catering to what they call outcasts, and Wednesday is not excited to go to Nevermore Academy. She... It's kind of a scenario where, like, her parents were really important and popular there, especially her mother, and so she kind of feels like, you just want me to be like you, and I don't want to be like you, but... Very quickly, as she starts up at Nevermore Academy and starts getting settled, there is a string of murders that start to happen, and Wednesday kind of commits herself to solving who is committing these murders, and she becomes like this uh, girl detective. It's kind of like Nancy Drew-esque. Mm-hmm. And I really liked this series. I was kind of skeptical because I... I grew up in the 90s, and I was watching um, the, like, 1991 Adams Family movie when I was really young and stuff. So um, I don't tend to really like reboots of things. and Sure. um, So I wasn't expecting too much out of it. It stars Jenna Ortega as Wednesday Adams, and... I had not really seen her in anything prior to this. I was going to say, her name sounds familiar. Probably the most popular thing that she's been in was the television series You. Um, I think that she played a big character in that. Mm. Ellie Al- Alves. I see. I she's also in X, which I think is where I oh, okay. recognize her face from. I haven't seen that. Jenna Ortega does a fantastic job as Wednesday. I really enjoyed the way that she played the role. Um, she has really great control over her facial expressions and just is very good at playing this extremely stoic Wednesday, which I thought was really good. But then there are also these really good moments of emotion that are even more meaningful because the character is played 
so, so stoically. And um, I think that it makes the emotional moments all the more effective and uh, that something that the audience can relate to. I, I mean, I feel like the characters in this show are so well written and endearing that I there's no way I wouldn't come out of this show really liking it because uh, I think that there was a lot of thought that went into the writing of these characters and they weren't just like supporting characters in the sense that they weren't fleshed out and I really liked that we see uh, some classics obviously we get introduced to a modern day um, Morticia and Gomez who are her parents and they did a great job. They're so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still get all of, like, the overbearing, like, PDA-type stuff uh. that is characteristic of of the original. And I really like the actress that plays Morticia in this. Oh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, wow. Yeah, she did such a good job. I really liked her, and I really liked her chemistry with Wednesday. I thought that they did a really good job portraying this, like, really tense mother-daughter relationship of, like, um, and, and trying to show love to a child who doesn't show love the same way as you. Mm. not with like physical touch and respecting that boundary of not not hugging a child that doesn't want to be hugged and I thought that that was uh important and a really good display of boundaries which I thought was was great we also have thing uh the hand that runs around right right ah incredible I thing is my favorite character in Wednesday and (laughs) all of the all of the other Adams family uh, movies and and the show, but Thing is really funny, and he befriends Wednesday's roommate Enid, who is the exact opposite of Wednesday Adams. She is like this colorful, boisterous person who is in like a million clubs and is loud and she is supposed to be a werewolf so she has not had a transformation yet but she is like part of that clique and part of that that group in the school um but Wednesday finds Enid very aversive at first, but Thang befriends Enid right away. And they have like little Manny Petty nights mm. and they like look at magazines together and they have this really cute <laughs> relationship, which I just think is so adorable. That's fascinating. Yes. <laughs> it also has Gwendolyn Christie in it. She plays the headmistress of the school, and she is great in this role. She definitely seems like she could be a headmistress for yeah. the school. <laughs> She's so good. I just really enjoy her acting, and I think that after Game of Thrones, I just feel like such a... She was like my favorite character in Game of Thrones, and I I just love everything <laughs> she did. <laughs> what? Nothing. I just... I always... I find it so fascinating when I find out who your favorite character is in something and how they're almost always an adversary of my favorite character in a given property. Oh, how so? Because the Hound is my favorite Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones 
character, and I feel like they were often at odds. At odds and meant to be foils in a way. I think that's true. I don't know. I love that character. She's so... I just love her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked her as the headmistress. I thought that her motivations were the most veiled and I was not able to figure out exactly what her game was initially. And I really liked the process of like uncovering her character more. Um, and like her abilities are really cool. I really like what she, I don't want to like give it away because it's an important plot point, but I really like what her specific like power is. And I thought that added a lot to the plot. And yeah, I mean, the school gives like tiny Hogwarts vibes. It seems like there's only like 50 students or something. Oh, wow. Like a really small version of Harry Potter. And, but like without being too on the nose, um, it wasn't like too close to Hogwarts that you felt like, oh, wow, this is just a rehashing or something. Sure. Um, it was really good. The little clicks of the outcasts are really cute. They have like gorgons. And werewolves and sirens and people who get like visions and stuff. So, um, I thought that the diversity of like, uh, different species, I don't know, powers were really cool. And yeah, I just thought it was like a really fun little, little group. And it was pretty lighthearted for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you're dealing with like murder and stuff, but it, it's definitely a show that you could like show a, older child like Mm -hmm. it was not too dark or anything do you need to be like familiar with all of the existing films the existing adams family films in order to follow it or is it pretty self-contained it's really self-contained they like give you enough exposition that it's fine on its own yeah it's totally fine on its own i haven't seen the like original film since i was really little right No, you don't really need much. I mean, there are nods to characters in certain places and nods to, like, themes. Like, um, there's, you know, like, in the theme song where there's the snap snap. Yeah. They, they, like, have a nod to that. It's, like, how you get into this, like, little secret room is Mm. you snap twice by the statue of Edgar Allan Poe. I, I like all the nods, but, like, there's nothing that you would need to like watch the the source material for it's a really good spinoff in that way and then there are like two love interests which i thought were really great they all had like really good chemistry with each other there was like tension between the two love interests and then there was wednesday who was like kind of oblivious to everything but yeah there it's 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 a cute little show and if you were like hesitating because you liked the Adams family growing up and you didn't want to see them not do it justice, I wouldn't worry about that. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's a fun little show. There's a bit of suspension of disbelief and a lot of talk about pilgrims. But uh, hmm. other than that, it's a. <laughs> pilgrims? <laughs> yeah, 
it's like where they live is like a a big pilgrim place and there were a lot of pilgrims and they have a like amusement park called Pilgrim World. Oh. And uh it becomes important for the plot, but I see. <laughs> it's it's one of the weirder parts of huh. the show. It's good aesthetics, funny. I recommend it. It's on Netflix and yeah, that's all I got on that. You think you would want to go to that academy? Ooh. I don't know. It could be fun. Do they take like special classes like they do in Harry Potter that are relevant to the student body there only? Or is it just like a normal school? They mostly show them taking like a herbology type class where they're like learning about deadly plants and stuff. Um, But that's really the only classroom. But I think that kind of shows that this is not just your average school. Sure. But yeah, there's a lot of like interaction with the the normies in town, they call them. Mm. Um and the normie sheriff is really interesting. He like is also trying to solve the murders and he like thinks that the outcasts are behind it and uh there's like a lot of like prejudice between the two groups as well where they're like, Oh, that's a normie or oh that's an outcast and huh. So there's tension in that way. But uh, overall, really good. I hope that it gets a second season because I thought it was cool and I'd really like to see where those characters end up going. One of the most interesting characters to me was a character called Bianca Barclay, Mm -hmm. who is played by Joy Sunday. I haven't seen her in anything before, but um, she's a siren and she basically has this like enemies to friends plotline with Wednesday and I think that she has one of the most interesting like powers and gifts and also like stories. She has this interaction with her mom who wants to take her out of school and have her come work at this like MLM that oh, no. they have that she's created. <laughs> it's like a uh they like have created an app where you can use the siren song to like help people improve their lives and it's basically like a self-help MLM but where the sirens are actually just like manipulating people and getting a bunch of money for it. Oh wow. Um and the mom wants to like bring her into this and she's like I don't want to do that. And I think that it's a really interesting way to take that. I don't know. It could be cool. But also, I just like that... I like that all of the supporting characters really got, like, their stories told and had interesting beats and interesting development, which... I mean, they could have just made Bianca, like, this mean girl, popular girl, but, like, she was so much deeper than that, and she's actually not a mean girl. It's just the way that, like, everyone else perceives her, and I just thought that it was cool. That does sound cool. What is a Gorgon? A Gorgon is, like, Medusa. They've got the snakes. Oh, cool. So there's this guy who always wears, like, this big beanie, and all of his snakes are, like, up in the beanie. Just moving around. (laughs) One of my favorite parts is uh, Wednesday's roommate asks him on a date, and they're, like, going to go meet up, and he... He has to, like, cover the mirror when he gets into the shower with, like, a towel so that he doesn't accidentally stone himself. Mm-hmm. Um, because if he sees his own reflection, he'll turn to stone. 
and mm-hmm. he accidentally stones himself because the, the the towel falls down and he never makes it to the date and she gets upset. Oh, that's and so sad. They have this whole confrontation where uh, he was like, oh, I didn't stand you up. I uh, accidentally turned myself to stone and I was too embarrassed to tell you. Okay, so it was reversible. Yeah. Yeah, apparently it's like a temporary thing and not like death huh. immediately. They like set that up pretty early on. but Okay. Yeah. I think all the characters are just so cute and it made me smile. A good little show. It's not like world bending or life changing, but it it made me happy. I also made my family watch a little bit of White Lotus while we were home because oh. they they said that they wanted to watch it. The first season. Yeah, so we were watching the first season, and gosh, I just love Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> are Are you watching along the second season? I have not started. It okay, yet. she's the one character that is retained. Mm-hmm. from the first to second season <laughs> it is really good actually yeah i'm liking the second season a lot oh good i love jennifer coolidge she's uh definitely a good pick to retain yeah they also retained a lot of the original score as well which as you know was my favorite character yeah. <laughs> from the first season <laughs> I'm fucking obsessed with that score. So yeah, they kept the same composer, but they also bring back some of the same original tracks plus new ones as well. So I was extremely pleased by that. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I love that score. Yeah. And also the score in Wednesday is quite good as well. I really enjoyed it. There's some scenes where Wednesday is playing the cello on top of, like, a dor- her dorm building. And it's a very cool scene. I really like that. Um, I love a cello, man. Hmm. I think it's my favorite instrument. <laughs> really? Yeah. I always wished that I could learn how to play the cello. Like, if band had involved cellos, I would have done that. Cool. But we didn't have that, so. Um, mm. But yeah. All right. Cool. Tell me about Vengeance, Remy. Okay, so yeah, this week I wanted to talk about the 2022 film Vengeance that was written and directed and starred in by BJ Novak. This was his directorial debut, and it came out earlier this year. I wasn't able to catch it in theaters, but it's out on, I think it's on either Peacock or Paramount Plus right now. It's on a streaming platform I don't have, but it's also available to rent on VOD, which is how I watched it uh, earlier today, actually. (laughs) Ideally, I would have watched it another, like an additional time before discussing it, because I think it's definitely a film that can be rewatched, but I just simply didn't have time, so I'll do my best to to do it justice in my discussion here, but I think that it's definitely a film that is dense with insights, and for that reason, you could benefit from rewatching it, perhaps. Hmm. But I will explain the basic premise. So like I said, the star of the film is BJ Novak, and it also stars Issa Rae, and Ashton Kutcher, among others. And it's a dark comedy 
And the basic plot is that B.J. Novak, he plays a writer whose character's name is Ben. And he's a writer in New York City. And he travels to West Texas when he gets the news that this woman that he's been casually dating has died there in Texas in her hometown. And so he travels there for the funeral and meets the family there. And there's this misunderstanding where this woman's family, her character's name is Abby, Abby's family believes that Ben is her, you know, like, long-term boyfriend, and that they are, like, in a much closer relationship than he actually is. Um, because you see in the opening scenes that he's, like, a, a serial casual dater, and is very much not in any committed relationships. And Abby's family, though, thinks that they were in, like, this very meaningful committed relationship, and so he's kind of in this awkward position where he doesn't know how to explain that he's actually not the the kind of guy that they're imagining mm-hmm. or that he didn't play the role in Abby's life that they think he did. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, he also has been trying to sort of shape the storyline. He's trying to like shape up a pitch for a podcast that he wants to do. He knows that he wants to do a podcast, but he doesn't exactly know what the premise should be. Mm-hmm. Issa Rae, she plays this podcast producer and she is telling him so far that the he has ideas and theories, but he doesn't really have a concept yet. And so while he's in Texas for this funeral, he gets the idea that he will do a true crime podcast about Abby's death because um, the family thinks that she might have been murdered. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of goes in the direction of making, you know, the classic investigatorial true crime podcast type of production about her death. And he wants to shape it into a larger commentary about America and things of that nature. So yeah, that's the basic premise of the movie. And I really enjoyed this movie. I, like I said, yeah, I saw that it came out earlier in the year, but didn't get a chance to see it. And then while I was away traveling for Thanksgiving, Will watched it and he said, oh, remember that movie we were considering seeing before I watched it and I think you would really like it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh really? Cause normally, you know, he's not that confident about whether or not I will like something, but he's like, these all seem like ideas that you would be very into. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And I watched it and I was like, these are all ideas that I am very into because while at like face value it's about this guy that's trying to make a podcast it's mostly about larger ideas Uh and that's just the vehicle for the delivery of those ideas and insights 
And so it's very multi-layered and it touches on a ton of different concepts that are relevant in the modern media landscape and even just in people's modern personal lives. There's very rich commentary. But yeah, so basically you almost all of it takes place in West Texas. So BJ Novak ends up staying there his character ends up staying there to carry out this investigation and do all of this recording in order to make the podcast. And you can tell that from the very beginning, he feels like a major outsider because he's this guy from New York City and he's in this very rural part of Texas that's very deserty and everyone is kind of like the cliched version of what you would imagine Texans to be. Like, there's lots of guns and rodeos (laughs) and, you know, jeans and belt buckles and that type of thing. (laughs) So he feels like an outsider. And he also feels like an imposter because of that misunderstanding about how important of a role he was playing in Abby's life. Um, So he kind of has to balance those portions of um how he presents himself to people and obviously it's it's a black comedy about this guy making a podcast so of course it touches on a lot of those true crime tropes about that sort of podcast where someone's investigating the death of a white woman and they certainly like address all of the you know things you would expect from that and also just kind of the larger discussions of the drawbacks of making true crime content and things of that nature, or even just podcasts at large, you know, Mm -hmm. they kind of poke fun at how everyone has a podcast. (laughs) So yeah, I know. It's great. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And it just has a lot of, through these different dialogues that B.J. Novak's character has with members of the family or other people in the town that he interviews as part of the investigation for the murder. He, the film touches on commentary for a lot of really interesting topics, and those topics are kind of why I think Will saw it as something I would be really interested in, and he was completely right. It was all about the commentary that's revealed through the dialogue. So, for example, there's like conversations that characters have about the the nature of the modern obsession with recording our existence and documenting our existence through things like social media or through podcasts and that people become so obsessed with that that it they carry it out at the expense of their actual life. And it prevents them from existing in a meaningful way because mm-hmm. they are driven so strongly to document that they are existing. Yeah. It makes me think of when you go to a museum and they need to take a picture of every mm-hmm. painting or mm-hmm. every exhibit that they find mildly intriguing. I'm always like, when are you going to look at those? Like, yes. And like take pictures of things that you find really, really interesting for sure. But it's just, 
kind of ruining your own experience to have your camera out the whole time. Absolutely. That's a great example. Mm -hmm. Or like structuring your whole day around, you know, taking photos for Instagram or Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But that's really funny you bring up that example because the next point I had written down was that there's interesting discussion on modern art consumption specifically. Mm-hmm. It's mostly centered on how people consume music, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it can be generalized to many different art forms and how uh, art consumption has become so algorithm centric rather than mm-hmm. actually art centric. And we're just looking for reflections of ourselves rather than seeking out something that can teach us something new. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a really interesting discussion. Um, And something that I thought was well done, both comedically and seriously throughout the film, was watching BJ Novak's character navigate his relationship with people in the town and him kind of underestimating their sophistication and complexity as people. And it it kind of, it went both ways, you know, he's prejudged as an outsider, but he's also certainly judging the people that live in this town and the people that are in Abby's family. And through his interactions with all these different people and the local culture and their local customs, he definitely gets to conversations about how people in these types of areas are just as complex and just as creative as everyone else. They just sometimes lack the outlets that people in, you know, more metropolitan areas have. And I really liked that they discussed how, you know, there's not a lack of complexity. There's just sometimes a lack of avenues for expression. And that can give people the wrong idea about people from rural communities. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, for sure. And all of this is kind of contextualized throughout this larger, longer-running meta-commentary on the nature of storytelling, which is right up my street. Like, I'm really (laughs) interested in those types of discussions because, you know, throughout the film, he's trying to find a shape and a structure for what story he wants to tell with this podcast. But he's also having all of these many smaller discussions about modern media and art and creativity and what it all means for him as a person as well because when you're introduced to him at the beginning he's very much framed as like this commitment phobic person and he thinks that technology is enriching his life because it's constantly giving him all these options for dating or entertainment or all of these things and um he kind of shapes that into his larger story as well of realizing that maybe that isn't the the great thing in his life that he thought it was at the beginning and i just really loved his conversations that he had with Issa ray's character and the, just the way that watching them try to shape the podcast together from the really interesting interview dialogue that he has with the people was 
just a really cool transformation to watch. And I enjoyed that a, a lot. And definitely, I would say that my favorite character overall, though, was Ashton Kutcher's character. I don't remember his character's name, but he plays a record producer, a local record producer in West Texas. And I thought he had some of the most stellar dialogue (laughs) of the whole film. That's why I liked his character so much, because his insights into media and art and all kinds of things, I don't want to give away all of it, um, his character was really surprising. And I really enjoyed all of the scenes that he was in. Um, I thought that, yeah, they really gave him a lot of good material. So yeah, I would keep an eye out for his character because he really surprised me. Um, and I will also say that the ending surprised me as well. There were definitely things that happened that took me by surprise and not in a bad way, just in a a way I didn't think it was going to happen. So that was pretty cool. I like to be surprised. (laughs) Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of these larger, you know, conversations about storytelling and big ideas and concepts that I really like in in films. But there's also these, like, little tiny micro-insights sprinkled throughout the film about different topics that might just be an exchange of a couple of sentences but they are still really interesting insights nonetheless. So like, even though they're not explored in depth, I really just really enjoyed them because Uh it, in almost every case, it made me think about something in a different way because someone used a really interesting analogy Uh or just talked about a concept in a way that I'd never thought about it before. So for example, there's a really quick conversation about the nature of ghosts that was really good and there's like an analogy about rural policing that was really good and there's you know small insights about other things like fear of commitment or time and myths and history Uh and like the start of the universe and stuff like that so yeah I just I love the way B.J. Novak wrote all of those things into the movie because I think it's the type of things that really um, take hold with people in my specific age range in that it's like all things that people our age are thinking about a lot more than people used to have to think about them. Um, Obviously because a lot of them are relevant to the modern media landscape and how technology influences nearly every aspect of everyone's lives now. But it's just sort of a lot of ideas that I think resonate with people my age right now. It seems really wide reaching. Mm-hmm. And the the fact that it still comes together and is like a coherent story is impressive. Right. I think that it's hard to touch on so many different like revelations or or deep conversations like that mm-hmm. um and still like have it a cohesive narrative yeah exactly um and that's what i was so impressed with mm-hmm. 
Um, right, exactly. I think he did a, a really good job of having all of those insights and still following, you know, the main arc of the story of trying to solve the murder. And it's really, I was puzzled a little bit because right before we started recording, I was reading some of the like reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It scored really well. It's like high 80s on Rotten Tomatoes, but some of like the individual critics critiques is that they found it like kind of superficial or predictable and it was weird because I had the almost the exact opposite experience Mm -hmm. and I wonder if it's that because it explores so many different themes it might seem superficial but to me as a whole it's exploring a lot of interrelated things Mm -hmm. that aren't that disparate when they're contextualized within the fact that there's so much content that you're considering all the time as a modern adult and everything is interrelated. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it was like a nuanced discussion of many things that people in this day and age have to consider all the time. Um, so I don't know. It's really interesting to me that it struck some people completely differently. But for me, at least, I thought it had just really interesting commentary on a lot of different things. And so I would, if those types of themes are interesting to you, I would definitely, definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, that sounds really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I have questions. Do they solve the mystery? Yes. Okay. Oh, I had a question about the relationship between um, Ben and... I've forgotten her name already. Abby. Um, Abby, yes. In that relationship, I'm just curious, like, was she under the impression that it was more serious than it was with him as well? Or it was it just, like, her family's read on the situation? That's something that you find out over the course of the film. Yeah, and I really enjoyed watching Ben's relationship with Abby's family develop over the film because it's a really large family. She has a lot of siblings. And um, he formed, like, a lot of really sweet relationships with the family. And, um, yeah, it's just... It was really enjoyable to see his relationship morph and change the more he got to know them and the more he was surprised by them and the more he found out about why they are the way they are. Like, they Mm -hmm. seemed really weird at first in many ways, but he finds out a lot more about why why they do the things they do. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was a really great aspect as well. Yeah, the family seemed really endearing from the trailer. Mm-hmm. I love the the little brother, I assume, like running up and giving him a hug. Yeah. I heard so much about you. Yeah, Mason Aww. was my other favorite character other than Ashton Kutcher's character. Yeah, they seem cute. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, I think I saw that it was streaming on Peacock. Yeah, that's it. Shall we do our overlap? Yeah, what do these two things have in common? Hmm. Um, murder investigation. Yeah, that was my top one. Solving um, murders. <laughs> um, personal development, potentially? 
I it seems like the main character in your film kind of starts realizing things about himself and in Wednesday there's a lot of development of that character and her like thinking that she'd rather do things on her own and then realizing that things are a lot better when you have your supportive friends helping you and I think that that was like a really good personal growth moment for her yeah ben the character ben definitely goes through a transformation during his time in texas and finds out a lot about himself and how he's approaching life and also what he's willing to make a stand for um i put down in nuanced and complicated family relationships you sort of touched on wednesday and morticia's relationship in the show and yeah there was definitely in complicated family relationships in the film as well and there's like a uh, i'd say like a few revelations involving the family and yeah i don't want to give anything away but you know there's complexity there as well mm-hmm. in all families of course yeah <laughs> maybe also, I didn't touch on this in my discussion, but uh, thinking about the little brother, um, Mason, you said his name was? Yeah. Um, Wednesday has a little brother, and I find him very endearing throughout mm-hmm. the show because he like comes to visit her a couple of times, and I, I think he's just uh, a sweet contrast to Wednesday while still being like within the the boundaries of that family right so still like spooky and creepy but he like talks about his emotions a lot more willingly than the rest of the family and Mm -hmm. uh talks about missing wednesday while she's away at school and stuff and i think it's cute yeah yeah mason is very much like a very sweet character who is certainly a product of his environment within the family but certainly distinct from them as well and he's more willing to show you know affection towards ben as an outsider um Uh and yeah he he's got a lot of really great moments so yeah definitely agree really great little brother characters in both of these yeah that's all i can think of i think those are good overlaps they are Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice and we'll see you back here same place next week. Bye for now.